Hey everybody, this is Will Datesman with Get to Know Jesus. I hope everyone's having a great day today. Uh, this is something I wanted to do yesterday, but I just never got around to it. I know yesterday was the day that our Lord was crucified and buried in the tomb. Um, I wanted to do a doctor's report on it. Somebody, some, a scientist actually did a doctor's report on the sufferings of Jesus and explains exactly how he died on the cross and kind of gives us a picture of the agony that he went through and paints a really good picture for it. The, all I did was just go to Google and look up Doctor's Report of Jesus and the link is sdrock.com. It's a medical description of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, just so y'all know where I'm getting the information from. It is a PDF, so if you guys want to go back and look at it for yourselves. I, uh, last year, we, the past, our pastor at church, he read this doctor's report, and I just I just thought it was something that I really wanted to do. Like I said, I wanted to do it yesterday, but I never got around to it, so I'm going to go ahead and just do it today. And I'll also be... Going back into scripture, I'll be reading this this uh, part of the story through the Gospel of Luke. So, of course we know yesterday was the day that, well Thursday night would have been the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Which is where Judas Iscariot agreed to betray the Lord and went and turned him in for 30 Pieces of silver, I believe. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying as he knows what is about to come. And one thing I just really want to point out, make sure that everybody understands, is that Jesus Christ is 100% man. He's, he feels pain. You read throughout the Gospels, he feels sorrow. He feels anger. He got angry, but did not sin. He, uh... He was, he was joyful, happy, sad, hungry, tired, thirsty, all these things. He was tempted in every way as us, so he, he's 100% man, yet he endured everything that we're about to read. So just remember that in the back of your minds. This was something that had to be done. The price was, the price was blood. God has bought us with the price of his son's blood, and because of that blood that he shed for us, we don't have to go through what he went through, the wrath of God. We don't have to go through what he had to feel that no man was ever supposed to feel. And that's the the forsaking of God. No man was ever supposed to feel that. But when you see Jesus on that cross, know that it was our sins that put him up there. It was our sins. Yeah, feel the guilt and the conviction for a little bit, but don't hold it over yourself. Understand your... Your, your sins and all these things and don't hold that guilt over you know that you can turn them over to Jesus and give them to him and he'll take these things away from you and you can have a new life a new start so I'm going to just start off by reading out of Luke chapter 22 verse 39 through 46 real quick just to just to see what the gospel just see what the word says about the Beginning stages of his of this agonizing night going into a uh, the death. So 
says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. I just got to point it out real quick. I know one of the first episodes I did on here was about prayer and how we as the church and as a nation and as a world need to come come together in prayer and God will hear us through this COVID-19 crisis, through this pandemic, if we would just lift up prayers to Him. And I pointed to go back and listen to it and look at those scriptures that I gave as a reference to show you how important prayer is. And I mean, the way I see it is if Jesus Christ being God in the flesh saw it necessary to pray in times of sorrow or in times of need, in times of difficulty, how much more do we need to do it? Just want to point that out. Verse 42 saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So he, our Lord, is going through extreme amounts of stress and, and sorrow right now. He's about to be, he knows what's about to happen. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be completely forsaken. By God Himself, not just men. Man's gonna run away when the when the when the shepherd is struck, the sheep will flee. It says that's a prophecy. If uh, when the shepherd was struck, that is Jesus, the sheep fled. His disciples they fled from him as he was taken. They all left, and everyone everyone he was left there by himself. He was forsaken by God Himself. Yet. Even though he was forsaken by everyone, he was thinking of everyone on that cross. God proved his love for us on the cross. I'm going to go ahead and read this doctor's report real quick. This is a medical description of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The physical trauma of Christ begins in Gethsemane with one of the initial aspects of his suffering. The bloody sweat. I'm going to go ahead and just say it real quick. Sorry if I butcher a lot of these medical terms, but um, bear with me. It is interesting that the physician of the group, St. Luke, is the only one to mention this. He says, and being in agony, he prayed the longer, and his sweat became as drops of blood trickling down upon the ground. Though very rare, the phenomenon of Hemothidrosis, or bloody sweat, is well documented. Under great emotional stress, tiny capillaries, capillaries in the sweat glands can't break, thus mixing blood with sweat. This process alone could have produced marked weakness and possible shock. So these are just some of the things that Jesus is going through right now. He's already going through this extreme amounts of stress. 
I mean, just think about it. If you knew that you were about to be completely forsaken, completely alone and, and whipped and beat and spit on and and you know you didn't do anything wrong and you know these things are still going to come to you imagine the stress that he's under right now being that he never did anything wrong yet knowing these things are coming he's still going to go and fulfill all things and he's still going to be obedient to the cross for you and me After the arrest in the middle of the night, Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas, the high priest. A soldier struck Jesus across the face for remaining silent when questioned by Caiaphas. The palace guards then blindfolded him and mockingly taunted him to identify them as they each passed by, spat on him, and struck him in the face. So after this, he was thrown in prison. And he's now waiting trial from Pontius Pilate. But through the night, just keep this in the back of your mind. So he's got the stress that he's going through. He's just been spit on and beaten. He's probably bloody on the face and bruised up. And he's, I mean, just terrible. Terrible what we did to our Lord. Terrible. He's, he's restless. He's not sleeping. In the early morning, Jesus, battered and bruised, dehydrated and exhausted from a sleepless night, is taken across Jerusalem to, to the praetorium of the fortress Antonia. It was there in response to the cries of the mob that Pilate ordered Barabbas released and condemned Jesus to scourging and crucifixion. Preparations for scourging are carried out. The prisoner is stripped of his clothing the prisoner is stripped of his clothing and his hands tied to a post above his head. And I looked it up a little bit more detail. They would, you'd be leaning forward and they would, they would stretch your arm so far out above your head to where there was no, so to speak, slack in your arms or any, there was, it was just complete tension on your back. Your back was fully stretched out. So there wasn't any slack or room for him to really move at, at all. His arms were just completely out there. His hands tied to a post above his head. The Roman steps forward with the flagrum in his hand. This is a short whip consisting of several heavy leather thongs with two small balls of lead attached to the ends of each. The heavy whip is brought down with full force again and again across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. And I don't know if this is true, but I did look it up also. They that there was some of these flagrams that they used with they had lead balls, they had <clears throat> leather thongs that would just whip and tear, and the balls would just deeply bruise. And we'll read a little bit about that. But I also saw that some of them had um, bone marrow on them too, bone marrow on the ends of these with these lead balls also with it so just some other uh, facts that i've found at first the heavy thongs cut through the skin only then as the blows continue they cut deeper into subcontinuous tissues producing first an oozing of blood from the 
capillaries, and veins of the skin. And finally, spurting arterial bleeding from vessels in the underlying muscles. The small balls of lead first produce large deep bruises, which are broken open by subsequent blows. So his back is just shredded. Shredded. They, uh, some scholars have said that when they that when Jesus was scourged that you could see his intestines from his back. They whipped him so much. They they hit him so hard they were just brutal with our Lord. But every single whip he took for us, all of these things he took for you and me. Just so that we would it was necessary though. These are our sins. This is how ugly our sins are. This is what God thinks of our sins. And instead of us taking the punishment, Jesus said, you know what? He humbled himself and said, I'm going to do it. I'll take it, Father. I'll do it for them. And he did it. He did it for everybody. Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons. And the entire area is an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. When it is determined by the centurion and charged that the prisoner is near death, the beating is stopped. The half-fainting Jesus is then untied and allowed to slump to the stone pavement, wet with his own blood. So just imagine after being beat with all that, and then just followed right there. I would imagine they just untied him as he was just weary and almost to the point of death. When they untied him, he just fell and right on that hard stone pavement. Wet in his own blood. The Roman soldiers see a great joke in this Jew claiming to be a king. They throw a robe across his shoulders and place a stick in his hand for a scepter. A small bundle of flexible branches covered with long thorns is pressed into his scalp. And I looked it up. These ain't no little baby one-inch thorns. Like These ain't mesquite thorns or anything. If you look up a thorn in Israel, I mean, these things are at least five inches long. They're huge. They're long. They're so much bigger than what we think. And these things were just jammed into his scalp. A small bundle of flexible branches covered with long thorns is pressed into his scalp. Again, there is a copious bleeding. The scalp being one of the most vascular areas in the body. After mocking him and striking him across the face. The soldiers take the stick from his hand and strike him across the head, driving the thorns deeper into his scalp. Finally, they tire of their sadistic sport, and the robe is torn from his back. This robe had already been adherent to the colts of his blood and serum in the wounds, and its removal, just as in the careless removal of a surgical bandage, caused excruciating pain almost though almost as though he were again being whipped and the wounds again began to bleed so this robe that they threw on 
on my Jesus, it, it stuck to the wounds, the, to the blood on his back. And when they went to tear it off, it just, it just ripped everything open again. And he explains it as it's almost like him being whipped again. And the wounds, wounds be, again began to bleed. The heavy beam of the cross is then tied across his shoulders. And the procession of the condemned Christ, two thieves, and the execution detail begins its slow journey. The weight of the heavy wooden beam together with the shock produced by copious blood loss is too much. He stumbles and falls. The rough wood of the beam gouges into the lacerated skin and muscles of the shoulders. He tries to rise, but human muscles have been pushed beyond their endurance. I looked it up also. This beam that he would carry, it wasn't a full-on cross like what we think. It was just a cross beam that he would carry would weigh roughly around... Roughly around a uh, 100 pounds. And um, approximately the, the distance that Jesus had to carry this cross from where he was scourged up to Golgotha was about approximately 1.5 miles. Some say it was about a 40 minute brisk walk. But for our Lord, they approximated it to be about an hour and a half walk for him in his condition. At Golgotha, the beam is placed on the ground, and Jesus is quickly thrown backward with his shoulders against the wood. The Roman feels for the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy, square, wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep in the wood. They couldn't do it right through the hands, like I've been told in the past, because if he were to just hang by the nails right in the middle of his palm... Um, it would have just ripped right through all the, right through his hand. So it had to be right there at the at the wrist area, is where they would nail him because they would just fall right off. Their arms would fall right off, of the nails. Quickly, he moves to the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some flexion and movement. The beam is then lifted in place at the top of the post. And the reading of the sign that, that, that they nailed at the top of the post of the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, is nailed in place. The left foot is pressed backward against the right foot. And with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arc of his of each as he pushes his as he excuse me, as he pushes himself upward to avoid the stretching torment. He places his full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the metatarsal bones through the feet. As the arms fatigue, great waves of cramps sweep over the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps comes the inability to push himself upward. And that's how he would get his breath. Is they would push themselves upward from their feet. Pushing basically down on that nail to push up. To get a breath. Hanging by his arms, the pe pectoral muscles are unable to act. Air can be drawn into the lungs but cannot be exhaled. Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get even one short breath 
Finally, carbon dioxide builds up in the lungs and in the blood stream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself upward to exhale and bring in the life-giving oxygen. Hours of this limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-trending cramps, intermediate, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. Then another agony begins, a deep crushing pain deep in his chest as the pericardium slowly fills with the serum and begins to compress the heart. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to gasp in small gulps of air. The markedly dehydrated tissues send their flood of stimuli to the brain. Jesus gasps, I thirst. He can feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. With one last surge of strength, he once again presses his torn feet against the nail, straightens his legs, takes a deeper breath, and utters his seventh and last cry, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Yeah, in Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 46, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Apparently to make doubly sure of death, the Roman drove his lance through the fifth inner space between the ribs, upward through the pericardium and into the heart. Immediately there came out blood and water. We therefore have rather conclusive post-mortem evidence that our Lord died, not the usual crucifixion death by suffocation, but of heart failure due to shock and constriction of the heart by fluid in the pericardium. Wow, everything that he did for us is was for a reason but that's just what God thinks of our sins it's it deserves his wrath he can't look on sin he can't look on sin it's too ugly it's too nasty he's a perfect and holy God he cannot look on sin so if you accept his son Jesus who took his punishment who he sees whom he says this is my son whom I am well pleased hear him and whom he is pleased in, if you accept Jesus into your heart, he cleanses you of your sins with his blood, and he clothes you in righteousness. And God no longer sees your sins, but he sees his beautiful, perfect son, who is righteous, and whom he is well pleased in, living on the inside of you, and forgives you, and forgets your sins no more. He, he does not, I'm sorry, he remembers your sins no more. And he forgives you forever, and you're his. Now it's time to live for Jesus. I hope this was good for everyone who hears this. Um, go back, and like I said, I gave you the 
the link of where I found this the doctor's report and uh, go back and read the story, man. Read the story and just meditate on what our Lord did for us. I'll be doing another. I'll be doing a, another segment tomorrow for the for the resurrection, of course, and um, I might have one more coming today. So stay tuned and hope everyone has a great blessed rest of your day.